0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter one, Psalm chapter one. We've been in a series entitled lessons from Israel. And we heard from pastor Todd, uh, the first week of the first two weeks. Uh, and then, uh, pastor Kelly last week, they've both been to Israel multiple times. I have not been to Israel. So we're going to be taking a break from the series this morning. (laughs) All right. Does that sound right? I was, you know, pastor Todd gave me the green light to either stay in the series. He's like, man, there's. Every, pretty much every story in the Bible is from Israel, right? But I just feel like the angle they're going, I think it's great what they're doing. How many of y'all have been enjoying the series so far, Lessons from Israel? Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, me too. And it's, it's, it's what the Lord showed them and spoke to them while they was there. So, Lord willing, I'll get to go to Israel one day soon. But since we haven't been there, we're going to take a break today. I'm going to do a standalone message today. Pastor Todd and Tanya are out this week. He will be back next week. Going to continue the series, and then it's going to culminate on um, on Christmas, uh, our Christmas service on the twenty second, um, which he's going to tie it into uh, with, what the Lord showed him about uh, the birth of Jesus. On that, so we're going to take a break today. Um, and so, if you're in Psalm one, I want to read verses one through three. It says this: "O oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night." This is the verse I want you to focus on right here. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the season that we're in in life right now. I'm looking forward to and pray that we would all continue to produce fruit in our lives, prepare our hearts, our minds, our spirits, not only for this message, but for the season we're in and the days ahead. We love you, Holy Spirit, and ask that you would have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 3 tells us that we can produce fruit in every single season of life. So the Christmas season is in full swing. Wouldn't you agree? As you can see, we got all of our decorations up. If you came Wednesday, you know, uh, uh, that did her Christmas miracle tour, which was awesome, by the way. She did an awesome job and had sang some Christmas songs and some worship, and so... At, even here at church, we're in full swing of, of the Christmas season. At home, I know if you like to decorate, your decorations are probably up. Maybe you're you're the last-minute kind of person or you don't like putting in, you know, your decorations up to Christmas Eve or something. But everywhere you look, we're in full swing. And it's so cool that, you know, we, even when Miss Tina texted me or called me that day about sharing, I do not even know I'd be preaching this message. But, you know, what she's saying is real because I've seen enough to know that the holidays can cause a wide of range of emotions. Isn't that Right. You can go from cheer to euphoria, but also loneliness, regret, depression, for either maybe a loss of a loved one, a lack of having certain loved ones. You've heard Pastor Todd's testimony of the holidays was hard for him because he, he wasn't married yet and whatnot. So there's a wide range of emotions and feelings and, and things that we process through the holidays. We can also get sidetracked and distracted during this time. But according to the scripture I just read, I know that we can be prepared. We can prepare ourselves and still produce spiritual fruit during the Christmas season. Isn't that right? Which we should. And so this morning, I want to give you five ways that you can prepare for and produce fruit during the Christmas season. Preparing for and producing fruit in the Christmas season. Now, some of you might be like, when I say prepare and I'm going to talk about it, you might be like, man, I'm prepared. All my shopping's done. All my decorations are up, you know but we're going to get into that a little more. I know like in in essence, you know, we have two and a half weeks until Christmas. So for some, you know, you're still preparing, you got, you know, Christmas parties to go to, you got different things going on, but I also want you to look at it. I'm going to dive into this, how we should be producing spiritual fruit, even during the Christmas season. Number one, think grateful, not getting. Think grateful, Grateful, not getting. Think about a continuing to be grateful, not getting. You know, I just, this is a good segue in from my last message I preached on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, where I, t- I talked about, you know, and I shared how I'm one of those guys that doesn't like to see any Christmas decorations until the day after Thanksgiving. Right, and every year it gets. Three of you with me. Every year it gets earlier and earlier. Seems like I mean November first, the Christmas decorations start going up. Start seeing the commercials. I even had a little gift that I showed. Uh, uh, you know, a gift that you send through a text where a guy like ran and tackled a Christmas tree. I was like, this is how I feel when I see a tree up before Thanksgiving. And in fact, it's on Facebook if you want to go check it out the Wednesday before. You know, um, and actually, this is pretty cool. The next day, my wife texted me and said, "Hey, we just heard your song on the radio." I was like, "What's that?" And the crazy thing is, if you've heard of the, the artist Brandon Heath, he has a song called The Day After Thanksgiving. And the song's all about how he don't want to see Christmas decorations or hear anything about Christmas after Thanksgiving. So it must be a Brandon thing. I don't know. So, you know, I searched it on my phone. Me and my son were in my truck. We listened to it. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. So I'm not alone in that. You know, I got me, Treve and Brandon Heath. At least we're on the same page. Right. So listen, everyone thinks about getting at Christmas. Matter of fact, you might have even seen it. There's an Old Navy commercial running right now where the actor comes up and he says, repeat after me, I am grateful. And everybody says, I am grateful for all the gifts I'm going to be getting. It's like, really, man? Like I thought that they were going in a good you know, good way, but it's, you know, of course, Old Navy's, a, you know, they're, they're, they're a company that's trying to sell their goods, right? So it's all about getting in a lot of areas. But when we stop and think about it, do you really need another pair of socks? Do you really need another shirt, another sweater, another hat? Some of you are like, yeah, I got holes in my socks. I would do, and you might really, but you know what I'm saying? Another pair of golf clubs, another fishing pole, whatever the case is. I know we desire those things, but honestly, listen. Listen to what First Thessalonians five eighteen says. Again, this is good. I'm still coming off of my my, my Thanksgiving soapbox. I think give thanks in everything. Listen to this, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, as a pastor, we've had many people ask us, man, I just want to know the will of God for my life. If you want to know the will of God for your life, it's to be thankful in every season, every day of your life. It don't get any plainer than that, right, Doug? You mind putting that back up? Be thankful. This is the will of God for your life in everything. So that means every season, every area, everything, every, every... be thankful. This is the will of God for your life. So in, even in the Christmas season, we should be focused more on being grateful than what we're getting. Amen? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to help here. Again, you might have run you full on, but I want to continue to help you and prepare you, for, as you as we're into the full swing of the Christmas season here. This is the will of God for your life. What has God given you this year already? Think about it. Maybe it's a new home. Maybe it's a new job or a raise. Maybe a better car. Maybe a new baby. I went to visit a little baby girl just the other day in the hospital. And, man, what a blessing. What a blessing, man. Maybe a clean bill of health. Maybe a happier marriage or a healthier marriage. Maybe a maybe a fabulous trip for some of us. Maybe a successful hunting season so far. Whatever the case. Maybe, you know, you may be a fisherman. You still like to fish. Some of you ladies are like, I'm thankful for all the sales I got already while I was shopping. Hey, be thankful. Amen. Listen, be grateful for all that you have received. Instead of desiring more stuff. Amen. Thank y'all gentlemen. I appreciate it. Listen to Ecclesiastes six nine. It says this. Enjoy what you have rather desiring what you don't have. Come on. Let that one soak in for a minute. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. Like chasing the wind. Come on somebody. Let us continue in this Christmas season if you haven't already to start out with being thankful or to refocus because I've said it before too years ago. Every day should be Thanksgiving day for the Christian, right? And even in the Christmas season, listen, and again, I'm not against, by the way, let me put a disclaimer. I'm not against getting gifts and giving gifts. We're going to talk about that. I'm not against that. But let's just have a posture, an attitude in our heart to be thankful because I believe one of the best ways to produce fruit is to be thankful. When we're thankful for what we already have, and this is really God's heart, when we're thankful for what we have, God really wants to bless us with more, ultimately. That's that's what ultimately ends up happening. But we're not thinking, we're just thankful for what we are, right? Amen? Number two, now this is a big one, especially during this time. Number two, beware of busyness. Beware of busyness. Have you ever asked somebody, man, are you ready for Christmas? And their response is, I'm just ready for it to be over. You ever heard that? Have you ever said that yourself? Be honest. Listen, how many people said, yeah, I was, I'm surprised. I, thank you all for being honest. Man, I'm just ready for it to be over. Man, what is, what's up with that? Well, I think one of the biggest problems is it's because we're running ourselves crazy busy. And we're just, I will, thank you. We're running ourselves busy. you know we're busy buying gifts decorating getting ready for and going to christmas parties and again listen there's nothing wrong with any of these things we just had our staff christmas party thursday night it was wonderful nothing wrong with buying gifts decorating as you can tell we our media team amanda everybody did a great job decorating the stage in the lobby and and there's nothing wrong with that but listen There's nothing wrong with these things, but if you're so busy to where you're not enjoying the season anymore, then something needs to change. Let me say that again. If you're so busy where you're not enjoying the Christmas season anymore, something needs to change. You need to adjust your agenda, your schedule, and what's going on. Because this should be a joyous time, right? It's even the songs, the most wonderful time of the year, right? For some of y'all, like, I disagree with that, (laughs) right? And it may be because we're just too busy. Listen to this scripture, Psalm 39, 6. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. Come on, somebody. All our busy rushing ends in nothing. And you might say, oh, no, man, my busy rushing on in nothing. I'm, I'm busy, but I'm getting stuff done, brother. I'm making chips fly, man. I got stuff, man. I, you should see everything I got done. Yeah, you, know, you might get things accomplished, but listen. You don't have to feel empty with nothing left after Christmas. You may have a lot of things that you got to accomplish, but how are you doing spiritually and emotionally? And let me go a step further. How are you doing relationally after being so busy? Does your family want to be around you? Do you have the holiday cheer when you get back? Or is everybody like, man, you 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 need to adjust your schedule, right? Or you need to slow down. Listen, that's basically what I want to encourage you with. Beware of busyness during this season. All our, our our it says all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. I guess what I want to encourage you to do is this: slow down and minimize your life and plans this Christmas season. If you feel like you're already overloaded with the with with the, the Christmas season and everything you gotta do, all the running around, all the parties, all that. Listen, you know, it's okay to say to turn down a party invitation. Yeah. Did you know that? You can say no. Because, listen, you have to, you have to look at the overall. How, what's it going to produce? I'm talking about today. I'm hoping that you're still producing fruit. As we, we get to where we're celebrating our king that's full of jo- hope, joy, love. He's Emmanuel. He's our savior. All these words we have up here. Everything we're going to be talking about, Pastor Taz be talking about in a couple of weeks. Are you looking more like Christ during the Christmas season or less like Christ? Let me ask it in that way. Are you looking more like Jesus or less like Him in all your busy running? That's a good litmus test to ask yourself. So number one, be, be, be grateful. Don't think of gratefulness, not get, uh, getting. Number two, beware of busyness. And then number three, I'm gonna really start meddling now. Number three, don't cave to a commercialized Christmas. Don't cave to a commercialized Christmas. I believe the commercialization of Christmas is at an all-time high. Wouldn't you agree? And again, like I said earlier, one of the ways I know that is because it just seems like, man, earlier and earlier, decorations are going up, like for sale, you know, people, the companies are trying to sell them advertisement. I mean, it used to be Black Friday was a big thing. Now it starts like Thanksgiving night. Like, you, you know, your food's not even digested from Thanksgiving lunch yet. And you're heading to the, right? They, they, they entice you to head to the stores to start shopping that night. You know, I know that commercial, the commercialization of Christmas is at an all time high. But as I begin to read some quotes from the, the, the late great uh, writings of the of, of the late great Christian Arthur and, and theologian C.S. Lewis. Many of y'all are familiar with C.S. Lewis. I began to read some of his writings from the 1950s and I realized this has been going on a lot longer than I thought. Even in C.S. Lewis's day in the 50s and the 60s this man of God felt felt very strongly about the effects of a commercialized Christmas can have on the church. i want to read you just a few quotes and I'm going to give you the date that C.S. Lewis wrote these. He said this, we, like you, no doubt, are in the climax of the Christmas rush, a time which I always regard with horror. I hope I am not a Scrooge, but every time, every year that passes, I find myself more and more in revolt against the commercialized racket of Xmas. That was written December 19th, 1952. Think about that. They didn't have internet. They didn't have Black Friday. They didn't have anything. He goes on to say in a different quote, how wretchedly the Christian festival of Christmas has got snowed under by the fuss and racket of Xmas. December 20th, 1952. Let me stop and say, as I was reading it, he actually uses the word Xmas because he's trying to show that it's not, he's, he's, almost like it's a sly on the commercialized christmas first christmas now we do know history shows that x actually is is kai or in in uh which is christ in in greek you know but cs lewis was doing that cuz he was showing the separation of how a commercialized christmas was taking over the true meaning of christmas he he goes on to say i feel exactly as you do about the horrid commercial racket they have made out christmas november 27th 1953 he wrote that and one more i feel very strongly as you do about the hollowness of this intermediable uh interminable i'm sorry interminable xmas racket and the slightness of its connection with the real christmas december 7th 1954 isn't that amazing how many of y'all know C.S. Lewis didn't like commercialized Christmas either? I think that's an understatement, right? He used words like horrid, and he, he was horrified. Why? Because he saw even in the 50s what was happening. He can see even in his day, and there was all kind of writings. He was writing to, to, um, uh, to Tolkien, and they were going back and forth. That's why he was communicating and with them and talking about, back then he was saying about greeting cards and toys for kids, like saying that it was cool, it was all right to give toys for kids, but just he realized how commercialized Christmas was getting and how it takes us away from the, the true meaning of what we should be focused on, right? And then I began to read a modern day blog that was written just this year. And it was the, the lady that as she wrote it, she said this, I did what every good American did around the holidays. I shopped till I dropped. I was brainwashed into believing that I had to overindulge if I wanted to provide my family with a happy Christmas. At the end of it all, I was exhausted, in debt, and I felt empty. You remember what Psalms just said? All our busy rushing ends in what? Nothing. She felt exhausted, in debt, and empty. Let me ask you an honest question. Have you ever felt that way at the end of Christmas? Thank you for being honest. If that's the case, y'all, listen, we're we, we missing it. As a church, we're missing it, Right? She went on to say this, today, we don't seem to wait for anything. We are a society that is so grossly overindulged that by the time Christmas rolls around, we're just piling more stuff into our lives because it's the holidays, and we've embraced in commercialism hook, line, and sinker. I would argue if you step away from and refuse to participate in the lore of a commercialized Christmas, it's quite liberating. Listen to this. It's like being liberated from addiction. That's some pretty strong words, right? So listen, I've I've been feeling like this for years. So as I begin to study and and look at at C.S. Lewis, a very renowned man of God, like I said, you you know, many of y'all familiar with his writings and, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, he has tons of books, you know, and to see this and even a lady in our modern day, you know, we can see, listen, one of the main effects of a commercialized Christmas and should be the most important is it takes our focus off of Christ. Listen. I hope y'all know. I'm, like like C.S. Lewis said. I hope you know I'm not a Scrooge. Okay. I have a Christmas tree in my house, right? I even told my family after Thanksgiving, I'm all in. I start listening to Christmas music. I'm all about it, right? But what I'm saying is, I think with all the decorations and everything, I just want to make sure we're focusing on the main thing, and it's Jesus Himself. We're keeping. I know it's cheesy. It's cliche. We're keeping Christ in Christmas, right? And I think because commercialism is at an all-time high, we have to be careful. Look at Colossians 2.8. Beware that no one distracts you or in, intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. Listen, we, we need to make sure that we're, we're focused on Christ in his fullness every season of our life, especially during Christmas, Right? So that's one of the biggest pitfalls and effects. And I think that's why C.S. Lewis felt so strongly about it. As he said, it takes away, he said, the true Christian festival of Christmas has gotten snowed under. I think that's the biggest thing. But let me talk about the second thing that I want to hit real quick that this lady hit in her blog. Another effect is one of, and one of the biggest pitfalls of falling into a commercialized Christmas is getting into debt. Is getting into debt. Proverbs two seven. a lot of y'all are familiar with this. It says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. So here's a few tips. If you hadn't finished your Christmas shopping, and I'll be honest with you, even if you have finished it and you went in debt to do it, I hope you kept your receipt because I might stir you up today. Here's a couple of tips. If you don't have it, don't spend it. Plain and simple. If you don't have it, don't spend it. Don't run up your credit cards to buy Christmas gifts. Listen, y'all, and my wife has shown me this. You can be very creative in giving Christmas gifts. You can be very creative. You don't have to go out and swipe the credit card and buy the latest and greatest or, or you know, make, have a payment plan or, you know, layaway. I don't even know if they still do layaways. Is that still a thing? No? Is it? Yeah? Okay. I'm unsure. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if they still did that. But, you know, that's... If you don't have it, don't spend it. Get creative on what you can do, right? People love treats. They love sweets, man. You can do chocolate-covered pretzels or something, man. You know, chocolate-covered, you know, chocolate covered, you know uh, the, the uh, Reese's, Reese's, like the, uh, not Reese's, but the Ritz peanut butter crackers. You dip that in some chocolate, wrap it in a holiday bowl. I'm telling you, a lot of people will be blessed by that, right? I'm just trying to help you out. Remember, the borrower is slave to the lender. Here's the second tip. Don't cave into the pressure or obligation to buy all kind of people that you hardly even see or talk to. Don't fall into the obligation you have to buy them gifts. Now, again, the more I'm preaching this, the more I feel like I'm a Scrooge right now. But I'm not, I promise you. Okay, I enjoy Christmas. I'm trying to help you out. Again, everything I'm saying, I'm giving you the scripture to back it up. Listen, let me say it this way. Well, let me back up. When me and my wife first got married, I began to loathe Christmas, and it was because of this very point right here. It's because there was, there was, and we, we just started blending our families, but there was, there was this, I felt this obligation and this pressure to buy for all kind of people, and the truth is, I'm combining this, we didn't have the money to buy for everybody. We didn't have the money to buy gifts for everybody, it was a, but I felt this pressure and this obligation, and so I noticed after a couple of years, when Christmas started rolling around, I really began to loathe it. And it was because of the the commercialized Christmas, the pressure to buy gifts, to go into debt, to do all of these kind of things. And so thankfully, you know, we talked it through and again, listen, if you want to bless somebody with something that's different. No, I want to buy something for my fifth cousin on my mama's side that lives in North Carolina. That's okay. If you want to do that. Go ahead and do it. You know, Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, right? I'm not saying not to give gifts. Please don't walk out of here and be like, Pastor Brandon said we shouldn't even be buying gifts no more. I didn't say that. (laughs) Please hear me right. That's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. I just don't want you to go into debt doing it. Listen to me, church. It does you no good to be the hero at Christmas if you're going to be a slave the next year. If you take a note, you might want to write that down. It does you no good to be the hero at Christmas if you're going to be a slave the next year because that's what the Bible says. The borrower is slave to the lender, right? So come on, church. Let's not cave to a commercialized Christmas. Amen? Number four. Now we're going to get into some, some more of, the, of the, the meat and potatoes. Number four, drop your division. Drop your division. In Luke 11:17, Jesus said this. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself cannot stand. Okay, now we're hearing crickets. Come on now. America is deeply divided. Families and friendships are deeply divided. Church, it's time to change. It needs to start with us. Come on. We need, I'm talking to the body of Christ today. For the most part, listen, we need to drop our division. Is that is the divide between you and a loved one or a friend really that important? Let me ask you this way. If they were on their deathbed, would you refuse to go and comfort them? Put it in that perspective. And think about it. Listen, guys, like, yeah, but they're not. Again, I was going to say this at the end. I did a memorial service just yesterday for a 25-year-old young man. Y'all, it reminds me, none of us are promised tomorrow. That person you're in a divide with, you're in a tussle with, they're not promised tomorrow. You might think, well, yeah, it's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to do it then. Do it now. Do it now. Why wait? Put it away. Ask for forgiveness. Bridge the divide. Listen, the Christmas season is as good a time as any to begin to mend broken relationships, especially in your family. And I'm talking about this as we're talking about the Christmas season because usually Christmas is a time where you're going to get together with a lot of family you don't normally hang out with, right? And the, one of the only things you might, you know, tell one of your loved ones or your family members is, can you pass the turkey? You know, that might be the extent of your dialogue with that person. And then you might not even tell them thank you when they do, right? Listen, this, I, I want to encourage you to drop your division, any grudge you're holding. Again, maybe a good friend, a family member. The truth is, in the church, your brother and sister, somebody you love, come on, let's start now. Let's not wait till another year to to try to do this. That's not, let's drop the division now. Now listen, sometimes movies has a way of driving things home. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I really was praying the other day, and I was thinking about this point, and one of the Christmas classics came to me, that movie, Home Alone. Y'all remember Home Alone? It's hard to believe, like I, when I looked it up, 1990, 30 years ago, came out. I was like, wow. But there's a scene in Home Alone that I want to show you that really does illustrate and drive this point home. Listen what Romans 12, 18 says. If it is possible on your part, be at peace with all people. Amen. You know, you're not responsible for what the other person's gonna do or not do. You know, the whole point was the man, that old man was saying that he was scared because he didn't know what his son would do. And it's funny, Macaulay Calkin, you know, talked some sense into him, so to speak. And says, so What what do you have to lose? You know, if there's a divide in your family, in a relationship, the Bible says, as much as you can on 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 if possible on your part to be at peace. So if you if there's somebody that you're in a divide with, that you're at odds with, as a close friend, a brother in the church, your family, especially right now, again, during the Christmas season, can I encourage you and urge you to reach out to that person to try to mend that relationship, right? Would you do that? Amen? The fifth and final thing, as I mentioned throughout this message, but I'll end it with this. The fifth and final thing is to focus on others and on Christ. So I just said, you know, we want to work on mending any broken or divided relationships. We need to focus on others and on Christ. Kind of going back to the beginning, ending it with this. Philippians 2, 3 says this. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should in humility be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Think of others. some Some translations say think of others as more important than yourself. But I like this one. Treat others as more important. Focus on others during this Christmas season. Don't just think about yourself. Think about them. Who do you know that really needs a friend right now? who's, Who's somebody you've been wanting to spend time with this year and maybe it never happened. Maybe you've been wanting to grab lunch or coffee or go on a fishing trip with, play around or golf, have an evening with. Listen, whoever that may be, invite that person to church. Invite them to your life group or even invite them to Christmas dinner right? There might be people around you that you know. It might even be me, a coworker you're not that close to. If you start talking to people, thinking about others, focusing on others, you might find out they have nowhere to go for Christmas, right? And I get it. I know that Christmas is a, a time of family and whatnot. We want to be with our family, but, but just think about that and pray about it. Focus on others. Ask the Lord to show you who and, 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 and how to bless that person this month. Focus on others. And then also, of course, this is a great time of year. I think Nathan said in video announcements, this is a great time of year to focus on telling others about the real meaning of Christmas. Listen, we usually don't read the Christmas story this early in the in the month, but I'm going to do so because I want to point out one verse that I think is, is paramount that I don't want you to lose. And I want you to encourage you with two and a half weeks left before we actually hit that day and really two weeks until the Christmas service. Luke 2, 8 and 20. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in stripes of cloth. Strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had turned to heaven, returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And normally that's what we focus on around Christmas but as we close out today, this next verse is what I want to leave you with. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. You see that? They went and they spread the good news. They went and they said, Hey, we've experienced something. We heard we realized that the savior, the, the messiah is here. And it says, all who heard the shepherd's story was astonished, but Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Again, the shepherds told everyone that this baby was the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. Come on, church. We need to do the same. Amen? We need to to focus on and remember to tell people the real reason for Christmas. Look at the Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, Matthew 121. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, the true meaning of Christmas is that Jesus was born to die. That was his whole purpose. He was born to die for our sins so we could be saved, healed, and set free and spend eternity. That was the whole purpose. He was here. It doesn't just stop there. And so He can go to the cross for each and every one of us. So as we close, let me ask you, I want to encourage you as the church to go out. I hope this helps better prepare you for the rest of the Christmas season and that you focus on producing fruit, spiritual fruit, in your relationships, in everything today. But I want to ask you, this is the reason, this is the purpose of of, of Christmas. Are Jesus being born? And so he can die on the cross to save us from our sins. The Bible says, have you been saved from your sins? Have you, have you told the Lord that, 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 that you, you've sinned? The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And that the wages of sin is death, but the, the, the free gift of God. Hey, you know that gift giving was God's idea, right? The free gift of God is, is salvation through Jesus Christ. J- John three sixteen. I was watching a football game last night, and again, you see it often. It was big John three sixteen in the in the end zone when they were kicking field goals and extra points. God so loved the world that he what? He gave gift given's his idea. He gave his only Son that whoever would believe in them would not perish but have everlasting life. You know the best way you can kick off the Christmas season is know that you're saved, you're forgiven and start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do me a favor, bow your head with me right where you're sitting and close your eyes. The Bible says Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Do you know if you're saved? Again, this young man, 25 years old yesterday, we did a memorial for. You might be young in here. You might think, man, I have a long life ahead of me. None of us are promised tomorrow. What if that was you yesterday? I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be dark. I'm trying to help you. I want to make sure that you're right. If you'd say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if that was me you were doing the memorial service with. Where I would be right now. Where I'd be spending eternity. Because the truth is we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Either with the Lord in heaven or eternally separated from him. So if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I've been saved. But I want to be forgiven. I want to ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, I just want to slip, you to slip up your hand. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? I see your hand right here. Ma'am, I see your hand. I see you right here in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Come on, raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Nobody's looking around anyway. I'll, only me can see you in the worship team. Come on, I see hands going up. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I see your hands. In the back over here. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. If that's you, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, and that word believe means to trust. And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You shall be saved. It also says repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent means to turn away. We turn away from our sin and turn to God. And he will forgive us and save us. So if you believe that, if you raise your hand, come on. We're all going to pray this together. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. And being born as a a human. Because you love me. And then, Lord, you died for me. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And I ask that you would forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I repent and I turn to you. I give you my whole life and i make you my Lord and Savior. give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice with these. God bless y'all. God bless you. Everybody that raised your hand. Hey, listen, if you raise your hand for the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. says, I made a decision. Fill that card I'll Bring it to the info center or to one of us out here. Um, and we want to get you started. We want to pray for you, give you a Bible. Uh, for the rest of y'all, why don't you go ahead and stand up. Listen, church, these next two weeks could be the most unified, grateful, healthy, productive, friendly, focused, and fruitful time of the year. Amen? Let's pray over that and just ask the Lord to seal it. Father, we pray, help us to produce spiritual fruit. Help us to focus on you, focus on others, not get caught up in busyness or commercialism, but Lord, always have a thankful heart for who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're gonna do. Come on, let's go out, shine the light and tell others about the love of Jesus. God bless you, you have a wonderful day.